Welcome into a, a special edition of the Woj Pod here with ESPN's front office insider, Bobby Marks. Ironically, the former assistant general manager of the Brooklyn Nets on, on a day that Brooklyn has made a blockbuster, to say the least, a blockbuster deal to acquire James Harden in a four-team deal, including Cleveland and Indiana. We'll get into all the pieces. But I imagine some flashbacks, Bobby, for you. Uh, in, in some ways, it is comparable to the uh, deal that, that you were a part of in Brooklyn, uh, or you were on the staff of anyway. And in other ways, very different. The Nets are getting, not by the last week's performance, but a all-NBA player, a player who's been in the MVP conversation, been the MVP and, and been uh, a perennial candidate in James Harden to join Kevin Durant uh, and Kyrie Irving whenever Kyrie Irving comes back. Just your initial thought, I think, you know, both of us knew this was coming down the wire with the Sixers, with Brooklyn. How do you see this one? Well, I mean, my initial thought is, yes, you gave up the unprotected ones in in the future and along with pick swaps, you know, it's, as you said, similar to what we did in Brooklyn. The, The difference was we didn't have Kevin Durant and we didn't have Kyrie Irving and no offense to Paul Pierce and, and Kevin Garnett. Um, he's not James Harden. <laughs> They're not James yeah. Harden. There's, and, and, there's they were very, and they were much, much later in their careers. And, and, and then the other thing too, Woj, is that, um, you know, um, the big three, I guess now that we call them, they're all on their contract for at a minimum two years. They've got a player option for the third year and they're in the prime of their career. And you still have, um, you still have Joe Harris, um, Landry Shamit, um, you know, some of those uh, DeAndre Jordan is still there. So you still have the, the, the pieces around. Um, so I understand from a Brooklyn standpoint that we don't know what's going to happen in 2025, 2026, you know, the future. And I, and I said it in a tweet, I said, when you do these type of deals where you're trading out future, there is a confidence, but an arrogance also that you will put together a good roster every year. Like you, there's like, that's just your belief of what you think you can do. And I said the, where it gets a little haywire is when you don't have ownership buy-in. And I believe that Sean Marks in that front office has ownership buy-in that they're going to pay. You know, I mean, I, there's, I think there's five teams this year um, that have less of a payroll than Kyrie, James and Kevin combined. <laughs> and then, and then in next year, you've got a $170 million pay. You're going to be in a luxury tax for the next couple of years. Um, but that's where you can see if these players are a drawing card where you're getting these players on these short-term, these minimum contracts, these bargain contracts. Um, so is it is it a lot? But when you yes, but when you go out and you sign Kevin Durant a year ago and Kyrie Irving um, last year, these are the type of high-risk trades that you have to go out and, and do if you're not content with what you have already is good enough. Yeah, listen, there is risk here. There's no question. Um, There was also risk for the Nets to not do this deal, to number one, perhaps allow them to stay in your division in Philadelphia. And number two, you've already got to be thinking about, and they are, Kevin Durant's future. He has returned from the Achilles injury in a year off, looking like the old Kevin Durant, playing at an incredible level. And 
they've got to know that they can keep him two year, in two years in free agency. And they're not quite sure where they are right now and what it all means for Kyrie Irving. They're hopeful he'll be back. He'll be committed. He'll buy in to, to playing. But there's an unpredictability about all of that that they just can't know. And I do think the Harden deal gives them some insurance. At best, you have three of them trying to figure it out. At worst, you've got a, you've got a running a high level running partner for Kevin Durant, who he wanted, and you know certainly a significant cost. You lose Jared Allen, he goes to Cleveland. Great pickup for the Cavaliers. I had to look three times at Jared Allen. It's only twenty two years old. It feels like he's been around forever, but he was in the NBA at a, at eighteen. But certainly for the Nets, I think, do they go in this hard and this over the top on a deal if this all isn't happening with Kyrie Irving right now? They were involved in it. It got down to the wire, and they kept pushing. No protections on these picks, all of that. Um, But I do think you've got to look at Kyrie as part of the dynamic of, of why they were so aggressive to get this done. Well, especially that, and you know the trend is, is that when you are technically going into the last year of your contract and if, and if Durant for next year would be because he's got that player option and if he continues to play at this high, this MVP type level, um, what's not to say that Kevin looks at where the roster is and said, Hey, I, I, I gave it my best. The Kyrie situation got haywire. This is not what I signed up for. Now I want to be traded or I am going to leave in, in free agency. And I think this buys them, you know, certainly some insurance that you get a player and you get another MVP and, and, and James Harden to surround. And uh, if the Kyrie situation doesn't work out, we're still trying to we're still trying to figure out that at least, you know, you've got Harden and Durant on your roster. How does that look on the court, Bobby? Uh, I remember Zach wrote this. Zach Lowe wrote this back when we first started talking about the possibility of James Harden in Brooklyn. And he said, essentially, can James Harden go back to playing just like normal basketball, like normal basketball? He's not going to be able to play the way he did in Houston as ball dominant. Um, it's a very different group here. Uh, I, you know, you have Mike D'Antoni on that coaching staff. And I know Mike D'Antoni was very enthusiastic about the possibility of James Harden. He thought he'd fit in. He thought, listen, for all this stuff with Harden, one thing about that guy, he comes to play every night. He Except in, last, except in his last stretch, he is not. Uh, but when he's engaged, motivated, he loves the ball. He does not want minute restrictions. He does not want load management. He doesn't want nights off. He's going to play a lot. Of, so everything you want in a great player, he gives you that. Uh, but, but, but how does it look on the court with those three? Well, I think what you'll probably see is probably Kyrie play off the ball and Harden with the ball in his hands primarily um, most, most of the time. And I, I think that would... I think that probably benefits Irving more. Um, the, the big thing is, will there be kind of standing around? Uh, you know, I think the big thing that when Harding gets to Brooklyn and when Kyrie resurfaces is that there's certainly going to have to be a, a meeting with the three together. And, you know, the, the, we throw the word around sacrifice. Um, you know, there's going to be have to be some sacrifice here between um, these three players here. I think it, I think there is the under the radar um, dialogue to the element to all this is, as you said, you know, with Mike D'Antoni already on staff and a pl- someone who 
has a great rela- relationship with him, has coached him, ha- knows how to use him in different spots. Um, and that I'm sure will be relayed to, to Steve, but yeah, I think, I think, as I said, I think what you'll probably see is you'll probably see Harden more at point guard and, and Kyrie probably playing off the ball. You can now stream the most MLB games on direct TV without a satellite dish. Yes. Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand slams, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa birds, old timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For Houston, Bobby, when you get a trade demand from a player of his caliber, of James Harden's caliber, they were dealing with it from two players, Russell Westbrook and Harden. They did the Harden-John Wall deal. Excuse me, they did the Westbrook-John Wall deal prior to the season. They get a first-round pick also with Wall in that deal. Uh, Wall's been good. He's shown physically, he's held up, he's shown explosion. It's been choppy in Houston for lots of reasons. They haven't played particularly well as a group, but you see that at least he's healthy and and now they can start settling into a team that they know they're going to have here to play with and and knowing Harden didn't want to be there and now he moves on. They execute that trade, Rafael Stone, their new GM, and then the Brooklyn trade. How did he do in terms of the assets, in terms of putting a deal together under difficult conditions? It is not. It's not always easy to do a trade when everybody knows the guy wants out and now he's starting to act out on you. And that, that also complicates it. Well, and especially you hit a, you hit a point of no return on, on Tuesday night when, when Harden post game, you know, basically said this, this roster is not good enough. Um, and then when calculated. you, when you way, that was, that was a very calculated, let's not play great for a week. And then I'm going to come out and listen, James Harden knew yesterday, Bobby, that these talks were escalating. He knew that. And he was trying to push harder to get out. And I think they may have gotten to a deal today anyway. I don't know that that pushed it along because I do think part of him saying that, I believe, was he knew they were getting there. He wanted them to pull the trigger on one of these. Yeah, and 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 Houston, what they were able to do is they maximized the most draft assets that you potentially could get. Right. When you're looking at three unprotected ones from Brooklyn, you get the uh, Milwaukee unprotected in, um, I think, 2022. You get three swap rights um, from the Nets. Um, You get a player. You know, I mean, you can make the argument. Do you want Karis LeVert for another couple of years or do you want um, Victor Oladipo, who you maybe could think you can resign in the offseason? Or you can I've said that he can be traded again come March 4th. You can you yeah. can flip them. You've got that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it'll be about three weeks before the trade deadline. Um, so you have another asset there. And I, and of course, I think the big thing now it, there's closure, right? There's closure to the situation. We saw that the Marcus Cousins comments today. We saw um, John Wall last night. Christian Wood. I mean, this has not been fair to Stephen Silas, their rookie head coach. This is not. You know, this is at yes. I'm sure he's seen it, especially you know with his dad being in a league forever and. 
being part of different organizations. But um, this thing was spiraling out of control. Um, the two Lakers loss exposed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, as I said, there is closure to it. But yeah, I mean, you got the most out of from an asset standpoint. And now we see what happens with um, we see what happens with the, with Old Depot. Bobby, back to the Nets and the acquisition of James Harden in the midst of this Kyrie Irving absence. Does it give the organization some level of maybe the word is leverage or ability to maybe set some more guidelines around that team, around him, that that maybe the power of that team has been decentralized? There's three stars now. There's not just two. What do you think the impact is for for the Nets as an organization to do this with this Irving thing going on right now? I think the message that it sends is that the train is leaving the station and either you're on or you're off, right? Like we we know who we're going to roll with. We've got Harden now. We've got Durant. And we can build around them even if you're not part of this group here. Um, we have three roster spots. We'll go out and fill them. We still have Joe Harris. We still have DeAndre Jordan, as I mentioned, Bruce Brown. You still have complementary pieces to, to work around here. And, and instead, before the deal, you know, hey, you're looking at the roster. You're saying, you know, we're, we're probably a five seed, a four seed without Kyrie on this, on this, on this team. We saw them you know, sputter a little bit, have had a couple good wins, um, but they are a team that's still trying to figure it out. Now you have two MVPs on your t- roster with, with Durant and Harden, and now you can just fill it around. And if Kyrie comes back, great. If he figures out everything that he needs to figure out, great. If he doesn't, as I said, we're going to roll with our, two, with, our, with our two main guys. Bobby, when you, as an organization, the pressure that is on you, a team like Brooklyn, on Joe Sy, their owner, on Sean Marks, their GM. When you when you bring on great players like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving in a free agency, the level of acquiescing that has to go on to what they want, how they want to do things, even at times if you're not sure if it's the right thing you should do, but it's what they want. What is that pressure like? for an organization and what's what's the line that Sean Marks and Josiah that they have to walk on that yeah I mean it's it's high level uh I'll, I'll give you a little bit of an example and I don't think Sean has Kevin Durant lying on his couch in the practice facility in, in Brooklyn but you know when we went out and, and got Darren Williams um in the trade from Utah, the following year, um, Darren was part of this, the decision-making process as far as from a roster standpoint, because he was going into the last year, he was going into free agency. We felt like he needed to be part of what players are around to the point where he was in the room when we were having free agent discussion and we were doing trade calls to that, to that point. I don't think woes you have to go that far. I do think your main guys do need to be part of the process as far as putting name, throwing names um, around that. But you have to make them feel that they've got ownership in this team and they're not coming in just to punch the clock and play basketball, that they are part of a organizational decision as far as how the roster is, is put, put together. And 
there is a lot of there is a lot of pressure there. I mean, there's a pressure that you know you have to know that you have a strong head coach and Steve Nash that has good has good relationships here. I mean, the last thing you want to do is be looking for a, a new head coach a year from now. And I don't. And I think when Sean hired Steve, that he knew that Steve could control that locker room. I love what Steve's been able to do with his mannerisms here. Is he laid back? Yeah, um, but it would have been easy for him to basically throw Kyrie under the bus, and he's not willing to do so right now. Um, but yeah, it it is it's high level when you a you go out and you trade basically all your draft picks. And in B, you have three players who are all, I guess, MVP level um, that you put together a roster, not just to get into playoffs or be a five seed, but to win, to, to kind of win it all. Yeah, listen, the pick swaps have less value if, you know, your record, you know, I think this year, the 2021 pick swap, I mean, Brooklyn's going to, you know, Brooklyn's going to have, you, you expect they're going to have a better record uh, than uh, Houston's going to have. So you see down the line, if you keep the team at a high level, how much of a how much of an impact are the pick swaps going to have? I just wonder, Bobby, in the pandemic, with maybe just only a few teams really thinking they have a chance to do something big and other teams financially very limited, I, I don't imagine – I don't imagine we're going to see – Many other teams making really, really aggressive trades. I, I think we're going to see more teams than normal kind of punt on the season a little bit and say, "This is not the year for me to go to go in." Uh, this kind of a trade comes along once every few years, but I think as we do get closer to the trade deadline, I do wonder um, how how much big stuff we're going to see. Yeah, and I think when you look at certainly what you know, the other team that was part of this was Philadelphia. Um, you know, before their roster got hit with, you know, the, the health and safety quarantine that there was a good enough sample of 10 games where this team is one of the better teams in the, in probably one of the top teams in the Eastern conference. And, you know, that Daryl didn't feel like he needed to kind of go all in or, or, or whatever the cost was, was going to be here. And yeah, I mean, the, like just in general with the nets, like, there's not that many um, owners that are willing to take on an additional $15 million in luxury tax costs, um, you know, another $10 million in salary just for this year. So let's say it's $30 million when you have basically no revenue coming in. There are no fans coming into that building. You were relying on just your, your TV money. You know, they've got a $170 million payroll. I mean, there's not that many are willing to do that, and and as have you as you've seen, there's kind of a separation this year between the haves and the haves nots, and then and then the teams that are are trying to compete, the Orlando's of the world, your roster just gets gets knocked down a couple pegs because you get you get these key injuries to certain players here, and it's and it's forced you to to kind of sit on your hands. Um, you know, going, going forward here, but yeah, I think the pandemic, I think there would be, we'd be in a different situation if we had, you know, 18,000 people in these arenas and there's revenue coming in and you can be a little more uh, risky, even with this tax break that teams are getting with revenue potentially declining $15 million is still $15 million. I don't care how you cut it there. Bobby, let's end here and let's talk about the team who didn't make a trade today. That's the 76ers. Ben Simmons clearly was in these trade talks. They didn't get it done. 
a combination of what were they willing to offer in draft assets, what were they willing to offer as an ancillary young player in the deal, ultimately pushed Houston toward doing the, the, the broader deal with Brooklyn. How, how do they – what's the conversation now you're having in, in Philly with Ben Simmons, Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers, about how he fits there, how they value him? Um, what, what's that like now? Well, I've been through it a lot. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it at length. I mean, um, Brooke Lopez in, in New Jersey and Brooklyn, how many times was his name rumored in trades going through Car- the Carmelo Anthony situation, uh, the Dwight Howard situation? Um, I mean, we drafted Derek Favors Woj in 2010, and two months later he was being rumored that he was going to Denver for, um, for Carmelo Anthony. Right. I, I think you have to have um, – an understanding with the player. And I think Ben's been around a lot. He's going into year five right now where this is a business and it is good to be wanted. And if, if when you look, and I think if he's looking at, Hey, James Harden, nobody looks at it that way. (laughs) I know. I mean, know that's what you have to tell the player, but that's not, that's not. No. Yeah. I mean, nobody likes to be, see their name on it in the trade rumors. Nobody wants to be, feel like you don't want to, they don't want you part of your organization here, but there's going to, there's going to be a conversation between doc rivers and Ben Simmons or Dow Moore and, and Ben Simmons, as far as basically the business of basketball here. And I, and I think what that's going to do Woj down the road here, it's going to open up doors for, for Philadelphia where there are going to be teams out there that said, you know what? Philly was willing to trade Ben Simmons for James Harden. Maybe, maybe we can go after a Ben Simmons with a type of package here. And it it's like, you know, once that kind of opens that, you know, that player is available in the trade and he's not off limits. It just opens up a lot of different, um, a lot of different venues. I'm interested to see, you know, Philadelphia's next game. They play Miami on Thursday night. Um, Simmons played what his reaction is going to be. Because the reality is this is kind of his first go at it where his name has been mentioned, you know, in a, in a, in a blockbuster trade. And then that player has been traded, but to a different team. Thanks Bobby for jumping in here. I got to jump off and jump on sports center. Uh, you've got, do you have a travel basketball CYO playoffs? Is that season over? We're in the health and safety protocols. We're just like the Mavericks right now. We've just got guys <laughs> shut down sitting at home right now. <laughs> well, I'll try to just keep the girls out of these guys' houses. That seems to, you know, try to try to get a little control of your program down there, Bobby. Uh, Bobby, Thanks, good to catch up with you. Stay safe, uh, and we'll we'll talk soon, brother. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this special edition of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to our guest today, ESPN's front office insider. Bobby Marks. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to also listen to Jalen and Jacoby, the Low Post with Zach Lowe, and of course the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst. We'll catch you next time. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV.
Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.